Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first edition, episode one of Cross Functionality, the show where baseball and softball intersect, male and female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. My name is Jim, and let me introduce my co-host, successful author and coach, former national champion at the University of Alabama, Cassie Riley Bosia. Very excited to do this. Cassie, how are you? Doing well. So excited to do this. Very excited for episode one. Your shirt and your logo matches that of uh, the Yankees interlocking logo, which, by the way, you are a Yankees fan. I have to ask you, just right <laughs> off the bat, the job that Aaron Boone is is doing this year as manager, and you're a coach yourself, yourself very successful one at that. And this guy looks like he's pretty comfortable in his own skin, no? Uh, you know what? It impresses me when someone uh, played in one generation and coaches another and does it successfully because that just showcases the versatility, I think. And, you know, the Major League Baseball is hard. There's so much to do it. That's a business that I'm sure a lot of us don't understand. So anytime someone's successful like that, I think it's very impressive for sure. Well, let's give an introduction here to our show. Again, I mentioned that this is an intersection between baseball and softball coaching. And we will be talking as the weeks go on about coaching cues and coaching methods that come from you and your successful playing career. I might sprinkle in some things with, with baseball, but um, I'm going to be serving up a lot of that to you. Um, for you to just hit right back at me. But over the next few weeks, we're kind of going to do some, we call it character development, where we're going to be discussing your journey from the time you were in high school all the way to um, the, when you had a chance to write a book right after you graduated and won the national championship at the University of Alabama. And today we're discussing your journey through becoming Gatorade Player of the Year. Now, you and I graduated high school in 2008, so we're right around the same age, and I'll let everybody else do the math. But um, you were the Gator. I was all-conference. I was all-state. You were New York's Gatorade Player of the Year for softball. And I just want to read off a couple of names here that I found. Um, Latavius Murray that year. In football, he went on, of course, to play in the NFL. Um, he was the Gatorade Player of the Year for football in the state of New York. Drew Holiday, Marcus Stroman, these are names, LeBron James. And again, some of these names are more national, but you were uh, on the state level as well. Um, take me through just what that, um, that journey was like in the beginning. Um, just you've talked about being raised on work ethic and getting to that point of becoming the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Yeah, I think anybody um, anybody who gets to achieve something, they've they've had some influx of work ethic. Whether they got to watch it, they were taught it, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I was I was thankful for whatever talent I had, but I was not the most talented or gifted or you know however you want to look at it. I, I I really prided myself on how much I could work, and that was definitely where I think any confidence I had came from. Um, I grew up watching my dad. Um, run his own business. You know, he, he stopped working for IBM, which is obviously a big corporation and decided to go do his own business. So there's obviously a lot of late nights and early mornings that I, I watched with him. And then my mom is a, or just, she just retired a psychiatric nurse and uh, raised me as a single mom. And she read her textbooks to me as a, a kid until I met my, you know, I met my now dad um, a little later, but so I just think being able to watch my two mentors work as hard as they did as I was growing up. I, there was never a question of, well, how much is that going to take? Do I really want to do it? It was just always, this is what it takes and this is what you're going to do. And, and you, and you go from there and there wasn't any, uh, any ill feeling about working for sure. 
Now, was there, and again, you, you get a sense once you hit sophomore year, I guess, of high school, I did, that I was a pretty good player and I'd probably go on to play in, in college. Um, did you get a sense, though, or when did you get that sense that you have a real chance here to win national awards? What, what was the jumping off point for you? What year was it? And, and really, when was it that you kind of realized, hey, look, I, I could be something special here? Um, of course, internalizing that, but realizing that you have a pretty bright future ahead of you throughout high school. It's funny. It actually, it kind of took a, it went like this and then dropped off before it came back up again. I, I had only really played locally growing up and mm -hmm. my freshman year in high school, I went and played on this national uh, stage and I had thought I was, I thought I was a pretty good athlete. I was good enough to make this team. And then I went from town ball to national ball like that. It was mm -hmm. like missing, you know, next state over ball. I felt like, um, I was so overmatched. I think I bet at 136 my freshman year. I would only play when I was up. We were up by a lot or down by a lot. Most of the time I struck out. I mean, I couldn't even catch a ball at first base. It was like, it would hit me right in the chest sometimes. And I, was like, <laughs> and I remember coming down at the end of that year and telling my parents, like, listen, like, we're not wasting our money anymore. I clearly cannot play in college. Like, you can take me off the scene. And my dad, you know, really, he was like, listen, let's stick it out. Let's at least go to nationals. And it was one of those things where we got to nationals and talk about like the last 13 months clicking for me. It, it clicked at that moment. And it was in that tournament where I hit against a girl who's going to play at Arizona state that year. I hit, I was, I was, my hitting finally came together. And of course, I think once physical and mental talent kind of clicks and you have the physical maturity that comes with your freshman, sophomore year in high school that, you know, all, everything came together at once. And it really wasn't until my sophomore fall, you know, right after that, that I was like, okay, I can do this on a national stage, but it, I mean, talk about being at the depths of <laughs> the, the bottom of, well, of you know, it, confidently I can do that. <laughs> it's funny because my freshman year, I was on an American Legion team and I hit 531 and I felt great about myself, but there was always that internal um, question mark, I guess that's for lack of a better term that I had wondering if I could hit growing up in Southern New Jersey against some of the best pitchers. I had one pitcher my sophomore year um, who I faced, I think it was like the sixth game and I was hitting okay, but he was real competition. He was going off to pitch at Elon, Elon University at the time. And I think they are still a pretty um, big time program, although I prefer coastal players. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, he was going off to Elon University and I actually ended up going two for three off him. So there was that jumping point for me where I thought, okay, now I think I can really compete here at this level and maybe levels beyond that. And I think all athletes have to really go through that. I was just going to say that so many, uh, you know, I, I wait for that aha moment and it's, yes. you mm -hmm. can tell an athlete till they're blue in the face. You got this, you're doing well. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny because I actually thought with them, with the metrics era, you would get athletes who would like look at their metrics, compare them be like, Oh, I'm there. But like, you right. still have athletes who are like, well, I can do this in the cage, but it hasn't happened for me in the game yet. And it really is that moment where they come back or I get the text where I'm like, okay, they realize it now. They, they realize they're in control of their future and they can start to see all of this coming together for them. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot about as the show moves along here through the weeks about metrics and taking your practice sessions into games. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for our show. Again, cross-functionality, we do greatly appreciate it on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and of course, um, our YouTube page as well. I I'm going to let you plug the YouTube page really quick. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you have a lot of videos soft, up there. Softball Strength Academy. So that's been uh, the offshoot of our main company. We started nine years ago. 
Um, it's really just been, it started off as a small program I was running at the gym and um, in order to try to reach people, I was just posting. Um, and there's been about eight years of posting. Uh, I have a ton of drills on there. I have a ton of con conceptual videos. And now we're going to have obviously our podcast on there too. So all yes. things, all things hitting, all things, sometimes fielding, all things, softball, baseball, that's up there. Come, so come Wednesday, July, July 20th, July 20th the uh, video version of the podcast of course the audio but the video version you can watch us uh, talk to each other and do this show as well now growing into your senior year and you mentioned this to me I didn't actually know this but you broke your foot mm. um, <laughs> and that, you broke your foot and here you are now getting recruited and all of a sudden you have this setback and I'm assuming that you couldn't play basketball that winter correct Let's yeah just, I, okay. I was planning on that anyway but yeah I so couldn't. what was let me ask you let me ask you this then what was that like for you mentally trying to come back and then here you go now you get that jumping off point which we talked about earlier and now all of a sudden two years later or whatever the timeline is you break your foot and you take two steps backwards what was that like for you mentally trying to come back from that you know it's funny because I had just come off of playing a fall where I did really well I got back from Texas and it, on a Sunday and I was about to go to training on a Monday and my dad was like Cass you might not stop training for the next four years he goes maybe just take a one week break. Mm -hmm. And I like really wrestled with it. And he goes, have you ever been to a high school football game? And I was like, no, actually, cause I was always gone. I was always traveling. Mm -hmm. He goes this Friday, go to the high school football game. And I was like, you know what? Great idea. And after we were leaving, someone who was in our car was all the way down there. I jogged after them to be like, Hey, our car's leaving. And there was just a hole next to the bleacher. And I mm -hmm. broke my foot and doing that. So uh, that was such a freak incident such a weird thing that happened um, i wonder how mad you were at your father well no i, I mean i told it, i told it, you yeah. i shouldn't have went <laughs> well and to, to boot too i was i drove a stick shift and i i realized it was broken <laughs> i think when i went to go drive and i had to stay in first gear the whole way um yeah that was that was one of the things where i was like i i, I was in such disbelief that it happened how it happened um but once you get over that initial shock i was like okay it is what it is. I'm stuck in this cast for however long. Mm -hmm. And I just reached out to everyone I could. I reached out to my hitting coach. I reached out to my, um, one of my coaches in New Jersey who had worked with me on the mental game. I said, can I just call you every two weeks and just reach out? And I was watching old games. Um, and it was, it really did turn into one of the better things that happened to me. Um, I got to work on parts of my game that I never would have. I got pretty strong from just crutching around a high school all day. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and so it, and I think probably most importantly, uh, it allowed me to miss the game. And I think what athletes forget when they have little injuries like this, it's, you're not, not where you're supposed to be. You're just not where you thought you were going to be. So this is right. where we think we are. This is where we end up. And this, we have all this anxiety that fills the space. We, the obstacle is the way it, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. We are in this moment. It's going to serve us a purpose and we just have to make the most of it. And if we don't, we're distracted by where we thought we might be at that time. Um, we're really going to miss the opportunity that might be in front of us. And it sounded like to me, that was when you learned to live in the moment, not just <laughs> athletically, but just in life in general, because you, there's only so much you can do with a broken foot. It's like having a broken arm. There's only really so much you can do physically. Yeah. And you know what people can, again, people can teach it to you. Coaches can coach mm -hmm. you on it. And then you hit, you hit a moment where it's just, it's you and you, it's just you with yourself and your thoughts. And you're like, okay, what am I picking right now? Am I going to pick this, you know, poor me, or am I going to pick a different path? And I really just kept thinking like it was going to be my unfair advantage. I had some advantage, like 
how many people break their foot in the off season? Not many. I was like, okay, <laughs> so I might have a chance to work on something that no one else is working on, or I might have it, you know, as funny as it is, I saw being on crutches as an advantage that I was being able to work on my upper body strength when mm -hmm. everyone else was sitting in class. Um, I don't know. So even if that wasn't the case, I was at least convincing myself it was the case. And uh, that was certainly helping at the time. By the way, for somebody that was was on the prom court and, and I'm sure you were on the homecoming court, too. But it said on your Alabama biography that you're on the prom court. You only went to one high school football game. I was uh, I was a vice president. So okay. I was, I was more in like, you know, I'd prep a lot Monday through Thursday and then I'd leave Thursday and go play softball somewhere in some part of the country, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> One high school football game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's amazing too, uh, that, uh, um, that this freak accident happens just so happened at that one, that one football game. I can't, I can't get over that now physically. Um, what were you doing? inching your way back to get ready for the season because again senior year it was a, it's a big season uh, for anybody really um not just individually but for your team too I'm, I'm guessing you're on a pretty competitive team as well um your senior year so what was that like physically trying to get back sure we we actually my junior won the section um mm -hmm. finished in regionals and we had a most of the girls coming back so we had really high expectations we all wanted a state championship um mm -hmm. And to be honest, if I had, if the internet was what it, what it is now, or if I had access to a cell phone or, you know, I would probably have done so many different things during that time. Like but, what? I'm you know, just curious. Uh, any type of strength training. So I might've, I might've looked up different type of training you can do uh, for upper body aspects that, or uh, maybe even nutritional advice when you are uh, not as physically active, whatever it may be, I would have at least been maybe using other uh, other resources that I mm -hmm. we now have very easy access to. Yeah. Um, but now there's an app for that. Uh, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, right, following other professionals on social media, you just end up picking up more, I think, than we realize. Um, yeah, so I someone said, they're like, listen, you should probably do about uh, 100 to 200 push-ups a night and then about, uh, <laughs> about around 300 sit-ups a night and then you'll be good. I was like, okay, done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I got, I got very good at pushups. Um, you know, even something as simple as like a side plank instead of just a traditional plank, like that just didn't cross my mind at the time. So that was, yeah. that was at least for the time being while I was on, uh, with my foot, I was going to PT every day. Thankfully he did have a lot of, uh, different, uh, exercises that I think probably strengthened me in ways I, I couldn't before. And then when my foot was better, I was, I was going to the gym and following the, the packet I got from Alabama. Um, so I do. So they think gave you a packet early then. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Around February, uh, February, March, I got that packet. So, um, it was, Hey, this is what you prepare to, you know, be at Alabama. So that was, of course, I was mm -hmm. so excited for that. Um, yeah. And then I would, I would wake up every day, um, in the morning, I would go to the gym before school, go to school, got done with school a couple periods early, just cause my, my lunch was at the end of the day. And then, uh, I got to my, thankfully my hitting coach was within 25 minutes. There's some people have to travel hours for their coach. Um, mm -hmm. I got to see him and then I'd come home and practice or have a game. And I was living, I was in my glory. So that was, you know, some people looked at me like, are you miserable right now? And I was like, no, this is great. <laughs> right. <laughs> I to do all day. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, a lot of non-athletes, I think, and, and um, athletes who don't strive to go to higher levels and, and have the accolades that you do, I, I really don't think um, truly understand. Now, um, and don't forget, 
everybody to email us your questions or comments, concerns, whatever. JimboPodcast21 at gmail.com. We'll read them on the air. And of course, um, Cass will uh, answer those questions for you. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it, although I don't think I could. But <laughs> nevertheless, um, I, I, I got to ask you now about um, playing competitively and, and how that set you up for just kind of set a baseline for you um, and what telling you what you, where you need to go and, and how far, how much better you need to get to be able to compete at that high level playing competitively outside of, of high school. Um, how did that, how did that come about for you? Um, and how did that become such a big pillar in your athletic success? Yeah. I, I think if there's any disadvantage of living in the Northeast, it's not just the winter. It's that mm. we don't have softball wasn't, isn't still a hotbed here. And it, it really wasn't 10, 15 years ago either. It was the, southern part of the united states especially the west coast texas Mm -hmm. area um so there was one team in virginia and my mom called and asked if i could go to a tryout and to just get an honest evaluation of where i was as an athlete because it was kind of it was just tough to do around here and Mm -hmm. through that individual we got recommended a jersey team so i I played on the jersey inferno um we were definitely competitive we weren't the best in the country but we competed against the california teams the texas teams the florida teams we won some, we lost some, but it was so cool to see. That was very eye-opening to see how much better everybody got because of the competition we were facing. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone on our team even said, like, I could have trained seven days a week back home in a cage, at a gym, whatever else, but there's just something to seeing that level of play and being around it. And it's it's forcing you to continuously be like, all right, well, I got to figure out how to hit that type of screw roll. I got to figure out how to adjust to this type of pitcher. Um I mean, there are some games we got completely blown out, but we got better, you know, every single time. And uh, that that was hugely important. And then even even in high school ball, the fact that you're not playing on a, um, you know, this high school parity isn't always consistent. You have some highs and really low, far lows. And uh, the fact that I ended up just in a town that was going to have a really competitive high school team was hugely important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I find it, interesting when you said how the northeast isn't really a hotbed i guess it still isn't right uh for softball but i think just sports in general but there's a lot of great athletes in the northeast that oftentimes are overlooked because it's not a southern state or it's not texas or it's not california but there are a lot of competitive teams that can compete with said teams from those states Definitely. And it's, it's unfortunate because I've heard college coaches flat out say it, it's not an embarrassing thing for them to say. They're confident in saying, if I have two athletes that are almost identical in talent, but one is from Texas or Florida or whatever, and the other one is from the Northeast, I'm taking the one from the Texas area or whatever yeah. it may be, because it's just the impression that they've been around better softball and that they're, they don't have as much of a learning curve once they do get to college. And I've heard, I've heard several coaches say that, and it is, it is unfortunate, but it also makes at the same time, when you do get an athlete from the Northeast, the pride that comes with, yeah, I'm from New York or I'm from Jersey or I'm from Pennsylvania. And like, there are phenomenal athletes. It's, but we still, I think athletes in Sarah still have to go and travel in order to get that competition. And, and there might be a bigger sacrifice on that end, but it, it, it does come with uh, some, I guess, a, a, a uh, 
a really a lot of pride associated with it. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about that chip on your shoulder that you may have had and, and Northeast athletes have next week in um, our second episode, your journey to um, signing with the University of Alabama. Now, um, for this award, getting back to Gatorade Player of the Year, and that's the title of our episode, episode one, cross-functionality, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. What did it mean for you um, did you take it in when you did win this award? Um, what were your parents' reactions? What was this like um, winning the Gatorade Player of the Year Award? Again, a guy like Buster Posey has won this award before. Some softball names, some great softball names, I'm sure, are eluding me. But this is a, an esteemed award that's been won by some prominent athletes. What was your feeling when um, you found out that you won? You know, it's funny. I had I, I don't think I realized exactly what the award meant. Um, mm -hmm. There was a an athlete that was a senior when I was a freshman. Her name was Maddie Kuhn. She played for Horace Greeley. Mm -hmm. um, best high school player I have ever played against. She ended up playing for Stanford University. Uh, and I just remember my freshman self looked up to her so much. And then my senior, you know, she had gotten Gatorade Player of the Year for softball. And then my senior year when I had gotten it, I didn't think like, oh, Gatorade Player of the Year. I thought like, wow, like I am I like potentially near the same level as Maddie Coon? That was like, that was my first thought because I had just put her on such a pedestal in my head. I'd looked up to her so much. And I don't think I really understood exactly what the award meant until afterwards they send you this big box and it's like a yearbook of all the previous winners, the current winners from this year um, that you have your own like Gatorade with your own label on it. Like just little neat things like that where I was yeah. like, this is pretty cool. Like this is, and again, it was one of those things that it was, it was such a fun moment to celebrate with my parents and I, mm -hmm. but with anything that came with the journey, it was always, uh, I don't know. It was always, it was, it was nice and it was fun to celebrate, but it wasn't ever the end all. And it, it, there was just, we always knew there was a potential version of myself better than the one I was at. And there was still work left to do. Um, there was still something to be achieved and it didn't come in a, a box, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was, it was fun and it was exciting. And I think that Gatorade bottle is still floating around my parents. I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you still have it. Yes, I did. I, did. Uh, I had a, I had a friend on one occasion think it was just a normal Gatorade bottle and, and almost drank it. But yeah. other than that, it's <laughs> safe, safekeeping. Um, and then I think, you know what, I think there was like a, a cooler that came with it that my dad actually used. He was just so proud and he would be like, what's that from? And he'd be like, well, my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we need to maybe see some of that paraphernalia. What advice would you give as we wrap up our first episode? What, would, what advice would you give young softball players, young athletes in general, who maybe aren't going to win that award might be all conference might be all state, um, but they're not going to be the Gatorade player of the year. What advice would you give those athletes who are very talented as well? I, yeah, it's, it's, it's very similar to what I talked to my athletes. And honestly, what I even talked to myself about is, um, the accolades are fun and, and it's a nice reward, but it, um, it is just the outcome of your process. Mm -hmm. And, um, if we're constantly like looking for the next outcome, looking for the next, next outcome, we're going to teach ourselves to look ahead instead of enjoy where we're at. So it's funny because what actually drives someone to achieve something like that is enjoying the moment and relishing in the moment and, and the process and the grit and whatever dark places you have to go to, to work hard, to get to a, an outcome that it's funny when you actually achieve it, it's like, well, I've just, I've just trained myself so much to love the process. Like this outcome is good, but 
it, it, it's almost it's almost anticlimactic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and and it, it 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 almost should feel like that. And it's not that you can't enjoy it, but it should feel like you know what the process was so much more fun to get to than just this moment. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I guess the advice I'd give. <laughs> yeah, and it, it really goes to the point that that when athletes say, "Well, enjoy the process." Because sometimes, and you're exactly right, that process of trying to get better and trying to figure out and navigate a way to get and reach your potential, that's almost as fun as actually playing in the game, or if you want to call it the game of life, and mm. or getting that reward, getting that promotion, getting um, that job that you really wanted. It was all part of that process. And again, like I mentioned, uh, not to repeat myself, but it is a little bit anticlimactic, and you really have to enjoy the process, I think. Yes, I think so too. Seems like it at least. It seems like that works. <laughs> really, really quick. What does that award mean to you today, Gatorade Player of the Year? Do you kind of walk around, still your shoulders back a little bit? Yeah, Gatorade Player of the Year, two thousand eight. No, I'm, if anything, I guess maybe working with younger athletes now. I'm, I'm more just proud of uh, who my parents raised me to be at that age. I, th I really do think that's that's all that I think of when I think of that award. Like so many people work to help me get to something. My, the amount of time coaches poured into me, the amount of time my family and spent driving me places, flying me places, the sacrifice that like, that is really what I think of when I think of anything from that time period. So it, it, it's, I'm proud, but I, I'm proud because of everything else around it. Well, Cass, great job this week, episode one. Be sure to follow us on social media. I'm at Jim Tara on both Twitter and Instagram. Cassie is at Coach Cassie RB on Twitter and Coach Cassie, excuse me, Coach underscore Cassie. I'll say that again, Coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram. A lot of great videos and uh, short videos, of course, um, giving some coaching cues as well. Um, next week, we are going to be discussing um, you being recruited and signed by the University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide, and what that process and that journey was like because a lot of people, a lot of athletes don't get that opportunity to get recruited and, and signed by a powerhouse athletic institution in general. Mm -hmm. For sure. I'm excited. This is, this has been a ton of fun and I hope everyone enjoys it and, and please ask away. Yes. Jimbo podcast, 21 at gmail.com. Do you have any plugs before we, we get up on out of here? No, no, just uh, social media accounts is uh the only other one is at softball strength Academy. So if you're looking for hitting specific stuff, it's, you can find it on softball strength Academy. If you're looking for stuff that's really just specific to, to myself as a coach, that's, that's the one uh, Jim mentioned. So uh, yeah, I'm so excited to connect with you guys on there. And that's where our podcast video version clips of the podcast will be as well. I want to quickly plug the lab Epstein hitting podcast with myself, Jake Epstein. Cassie was a guest co-host on that um, at one point as well. Um, that will be uh, every Monday, 9am new episodes every Monday at 9am. Jake and I talk about baseball hitting and some other cool stuff. Depending on, depending on where we go. <laughs> All right. Good episode this week, Cass. Thank you very much. Episode two next week, Cassie getting recruited and signed by the University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide, and that what that process was like. We'll talk about that next week. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.